the day the clocks change is always a good time to reflect upon conventions, human agreements. There's a government discussion. They decide on a particular day, usually the last Sunday in March and the last Sunday in October. That's the day the clocks change. Two o'clock in the morning, things shift. So now it's 8.30 in the morning instead of 7.30. It's just a human agreement. We put a number on this particular pattern of experience. We call today Sunday, March the 26th. Who says? What makes this March? What makes this 26th? These are just human agreements. We live with them, they're around all the time. We take them as absolute. When they've had to adjust the calendar and add a day here or take a week off there, there'd be riots in the streets, shifting the calendar. What day is it? What year is it? What time is it in New Zealand right now? We say it's 8.31 in the morning here in the UK. It's already evening in New Zealand. Have they changed their clocks yet? What time is it? We live with so many conventions, rights and wrongs, ways of measuring things, what's good, what's bad, what's beautiful, what's ugly, what's approved, what's disapproved of. If we don't notice those conventions, then we get lost in them. So what time is it? Where are we? What time is it on Venus, on Jupiter? What year is it on Neptune? The planet spins at different speeds, moves around the sun different ways. How long is a year on Neptune? How many Earth years? How long is a year? These are not just mind games or also incidental ways of juggling ideas, but it's to develop a particular flexibility to recognize the world of conventions as exactly that. We say we're sitting still, but the planet is spinning around about a thousand miles an hour, It's what makes day and night. The earth is spinning around the sun, 365 and a bit days to make a single lap of the sun. We call that a year. The sun itself, this solar system, is spinning around in the Milky Way, our galaxy, taking about 22,000 years to do a rotation, a spin. So we think we're sitting still, but we're moving rapidly through space, but yet we feel we're sitting still. So that stillness is measured against what? The mat or the chair we're sitting on. It's not still in relationship to 
space to the planet, solar system, the galaxy. Again, these are not just idle mind games or pointless ways of juggling facts, but to consider, oh right, look how the mind creates the world. It makes its judgment, its measurements. Lumpucha stressed this so many times, so often. How big is this hole? Is it big? Is it small? Is it beautiful? Is it ugly? What do you measure it against? Is this long? Is this short? Is this heavy? Is this light? What do you measure it against? If we take our own personal judgments to be the measure of all things, then in that assuming that fixed judgment is the creation of dukkha right there. To say, this is long, this is short, this is heavy, this is light, I am sitting still. This is beautiful, this is inappropriate. The more that the mind makes that is something absolute, there's dukkha right there. We live in a world of fluid transformations, the four elements, earth, water, fire and wind, solidity, fluidity, cohesion, temperature, vibration. These four elements form the patterns of the material world, the field of what is seen, smelt, tasted, touched, thought about, judged. If we blindly believe our own judgments and opinions, our conditioning, there's dukkha right there. If there's a recollection that this is a fluid set of perceptions that we determine into existence as things, as days, as times, as people, if there's that wise reflection that these are only, can only be convenient fictions, then the heart remains spacious, adaptable. So this is not just a mind game or a juggling of ideas, it's a training. We say this is the temple. How does the temple exist from its own side? The molecules of calcium in the tiles the ancient seashells that make up the limestone tiles of the floor. From its own side, it's not floor, it's just this. The cellulose molecules of the, the wooden timbers, the oak pillars and beams, do they know that they're a beam? Whatever consciousness they might have? We call it a beam, a floor, a temple. That's from the human side, from our conditioning, our language. From its own side, what is it? The mind can't determine what anything actually is. It's always known through the agency of the senses. These eyes, ears, this nose, tongue, body, this mind, this language, these concepts, 
That's the agency through which things are created and labeled and known. The more that that is remembered, the more that informs mindfulness of each moment, the more adaptable the heart is. The more profound and complete the quality of non-entanglement, non-identification, non-attachment is. In Lumpur Chah's talk, entitled Convention and Liberation, just the opening sentence of that is so worthy of recollecting, reflecting on. All the things of this world are merely conventions of our own creation. Having established them, we get lost in them, giving rise to all kinds of trouble and confusion. That one sentence contains universes. All the things of this world are merely conventions of our own creation. It doesn't mean that there's no thing there. The four elements that make up this building, this microphone, this seat, this body, this brain, the four elements move and change and interrelate according to their own laws. There's a, a basis for our perceptions and experience. But that can only be known through the agency of this mind, formed from this birth, these eyes, these ears, this body, this mind, with its conditioning. We don't know the world, we know this mind's representation of the world. I reflect on this a lot. This is such a simple, powerful teaching. If we apply it, make use of it moment by moment, what does it say about the way we judge other people, the way we judge ourselves, our mind, our body, our age, our nationality, our gender, our life story, our family, our name. The more that the mind genuinely takes to heart, this is just this mind's version of the world. It can't be more than that. Then notice the perspective that that gives upon the people you live with the feelings of love and hate, fear and desire, gain and loss that we experience moment by moment. Changes everything. Ignorance is assuming that we experience the world. We see something, we react to it. Beautiful, ugly, I know, I don't know. I've got a comment. I'm interested. I'm irritated. Avijja is believing automatically the substantiality of perceptions and thoughts, judgments, buying into them. That's the flavor of avicca, reacting to the world, believing in perceptions to be absolutely reliable and real. Vicha, awakened awareness, is knowing that this is the mind's representation of a flavor, a smell, a sound, a shape, a color. What is perceived is not what's really there. 
if I open my eyes and relax my vision, I can see the floor undulating like a surface of a sea. The tiles of the carpet starts to ripple like the surface of a pond or ocean. A blink and then, oh, goes still again, like as if the carpet was playing grandmother's footsteps. You blink and then it stops moving. But when the eyes are relaxed, you can, I can see the surface of the floor rippling and flowing like a pond, like the ocean. Is it really rippling or is it not? There's the perception. Developing this anicca sanya, the perception of uncertainty, this is the gateway to liberation. Again, Lumpocha emphasized this so much, so many teachings. This flexibility of vision, not buying into our opinions, our likes and dislikes, approvals and disapprovals. Over and over, day by day, remembering this is just an agreement, this is just a perception, this is just a convenient fiction, that's all. That way we make space for each other. We allow each other's perspectives to be different. We know that the priorities of a worm crawling across the path are not the same as me on my way to the temple for a meditation sitting. The worm is going one direction, I'm going another. We have different urgencies, different priorities. Developing this quality of a kind of comprehensive mindfulness and openness, sati-sampajanya, that intuitive awareness, encompassing awareness, recognizing that the judgments that the mind makes can only be partial. They are useful approximations, like saying, today is March the 26th, or I am sitting still. Relatively speaking, in terms of a convenient way of talking, yeah, it's true enough. We don't have to mention that the planet is spinning round, or the Earth is spinning round the sun, or the sun is circling through the galaxy around the galactic center. Not particularly relevant, even though it might be true. So, out of convenience, we just say, I'm sitting still. Today is March the 26th. It's 8.45 in the morning. Good enough. Close enough. It's a good enough version of reality. And if there's a recollection that this is just a convenient approximation, a relatively useful measure, then there's a flexibility, a spaciousness of heart. We make room for each other. We make room for the way the world is. We make room for other perspectives, other priorities, the way the world is. It's not always measured against our own preferences, our expectations, our opinions, our likes and dislikes. So contemplating conventions, notice during the course of a day how often the mind reacts, approving, disapproving, liking, disliking, seeing something and jumping in. You know, I know you, 
What are you? I don't like. This is good. Notice how many times during a day those judgments get formed and question them. Is that so? Is that a sure thing? Is that the whole picture? And then feel, know the change of heart that comes when those kind of reflections are applied. Oh, of course. How could that be the whole story? How could it be a sure thing? It's just my mind's preference. I say, I know that person, or I like this smell. I don't like that color. That's all. There's a spaciousness, a peacefulness in the heart when that uncertainty, that incompleteness is recognized. There's a, a texture, the tone of the real. Oh, of course. Of course. Notice that feeling of peacefulness and spaciousness that is present when that, oh, of course-ness arises. This is the presence of wisdom leads to peace, to Nibbāna. <laughs> 